Nobody like you. Oh, nobody like you, Jesus. It's a privilege, oh God, to be in your presence. It's a privilege, oh God, to be in your company, to worship at your throne. There is no other God that can save like you. No other God can heal like you. No other God can love like you. No other God can touch like you. And so when we don't know what to do, we call you Yahweh because you are God. You are God. You are God. You are God. Your name is Yahweh. Who is moving on the waters? Who is holding up the moon?
The book of Ephesians, what a great book that is, isn't it? The book of Ephesians, and we're going to be uh, reading from that book in a few moments. I, I wonder if you've got any sort of a, I, you're like an imagination type of people, aren't you? You can imagine things. Please help me out here. I'm going to let, get you to imagine something in a moment, but look at Ephesians chapter 5. I mean, this is our 5.30 service. This is not the end of the day. This is just the beginning of tomorrow. We're going to propel ourselves into tomorrow, okay? So Ephesians chapter 5, uh, in verses 1 and 2, says this. Listen to these beautiful words. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Just a little challenge. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Isn't that lovely? You're his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, sacrifice to God. The Bible never thinks that love is a theory or just something to be put in a birthday card as a wish. What the Bible teaches is, is that love is to be real in our lives and to be acted out in our lives. And so tonight, I'm just wondering whether or not you can come with me on a journey of how we can release more of the love of God in our lives. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that this whole platform was a granite block of stone. That, that actually, that it's just huge and that you are standing on that granite block of stone that it's immovable, and that actually if missiles were shot at that granite block, the missiles would be exploding, but the granite block would be immoved. Nothing, not even a mark on it. I want you to imagine that hard. But then I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that you had a golden chain around your ankle. This is weird, isn't it? And the golden chain was fused into that granite block. You see, we always talk about chains being broken in the church. But I want you to imagine you've got a golden chain around your ankle. And the chain runs fused right in the middle of that granite block. Everybody with me? Can you see yourself there? And actually, your life is free, but you can't get off that granite block that you can't move from that, that you're totally secure on that granite block. And some of you are thinking, no, all my chains are gone, but this chain, that granite block is the love of God. You can't get away from it. You can't escape it. You can't move away from it. There is nothing that can separate you from it. And that you are completely secure in it. You see, I don't know about you, but when I look at advertising pictures, or does anybody remember when Sky TV came out? Do you watch television, by the way? Okay, I know you're very holy Christians. You know, but some of us, we're not as holy as you and we watch TV. Do you remember when Sky came out? I don't know whether you remember this. Their first advertisement was, you can pause the TV, go and make a cup of tea, then click play again and carry on watching. 
And what they did was, is they freeze frame up to that moment and then carry on afterwards. Sometimes when I look at advertising uh, billboards, I think, I wonder what happened before that moment when the advertiser is trying to get me to believe that moment. You know, when I look at the cross and I look at Jesus on the cross and I see that freeze frame moment of that young man alone on that hill, just two crosses the either side of him. And I think of everything that led up to that and all the words that he said and everything that God thought about in eternity, about how much he decided that my life was worth such a sacrifice. I believe God's love is so real to me. You see, I'm going to try to get you to imagine some things tonight. We cannot make the love of God more real. It's like, it's like granite that cannot be moved. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And some of us have got granite hearts where even those words are bouncing off. But I'm praying by the Holy Spirit tonight that God will open your heart. And I'm just wondering that sometimes we say that God loves us, God loves us, but we're not really connected to it. I want to kind of minister to you tonight about how you can close the gap between what you read in the Bible and what you feel in your life, what you express through your life. Now you know me, I've been developing my theology from lots of the, my train journeys, see it, say it, sort it. Do you remember that sermon the other week? You know, see what God does, say what he does, and then he'll sort you and all of that stuff. Well, have you ever heard this when you're on the trains? Mind the gap. I wonder if we should mind the gap between what we read and what we actually experience. That we actually bring that gap really closer together. Four ways. I'm just going to do this really quick. Four simple ways of how you can get the love of God moving in your life. Are you ready? First of all, you have to understand the governance in your life. There are certain thoughts, there are certain feelings that take the governance in your life. For some of you, you've had thoughts and things in your life that govern you for a long time. They've been resident there. Instead of the government being on his shoulders, the government on your shoulders is telling you something that's not true. One of the first ways that we have to arrest our lives and change it so that the love of God comes into our lives is we have to let the truth that God loves you govern you more than any other thought. On July the 4th, 1776, there was a declaration of independence in the United States. Thomas Jefferson was, was uh, probably the one who authored the phrase, all men are created equal and we hold these truths self-evident. We need to have in our lives some truth that is self-evident, that we don't question, and if we question it, we dialogue with it from a point of belief. We need to hold to the truth completely and unreservedly that God loves you and this truth governs your life. You will never get the truth, uh, excuse me, the love of God moving in your life if you're always negotiating, does God love me? I don't know whether he loves me. Maybe he loves me. Does he love me? You need to come to a point of view where you say, I absolutely let the truth that God loves me govern my heart and my thinking. Let's dig deeper. It has to move from being a gentle encouragement or a nice thing to say to somebody, Jesus loves you, but an absolute declaration of dependence, God, I know that you love me and that doesn't change. You see, in your mind shift, you can activate the love of God by what governs your life. I want to ask you tonight, what thinking governs your life? Is the thought that perhaps somebody once told you how stupid you are, that thought governs your life? What is it that governs your life? You see, eventually you've got to, over time, allow this thought 
God loves me and that governs everything about my life. When I walk into a room, everybody may not like me, but God loves me. When I get on the tube, nobody on the tube may love me, but God loves me. Whatever and whoever I'm with, whatever their opinion about me is, however silly or inadequate I am, it doesn't change the governing thought in my life, God loves me. You will never activate the love of God until you give your thought pattern over to the governance, God loves me. Number two, we need to gain perspective through our seasons of life. I don't know whether you are into musicals, I don't know where Matt is, but you know, he probably knows this, but I want you to listen to a song, just a few uh, seconds of it. It's from a musical called Rent, and the lyrics will be on the screen as well. And so uh, just have a listen to this. Oh, turn it up. seasons of our lives how do you measure things how do you measure what's going on you see the second way that you activate the love of God is by gaining the perspective that you don't judge how what God loves you by the circumstances you're going through but actually you just know that he loves you and whatever circumstances you're going through he's with you in them You see, you can activate the love of God by gaining the perspective that you will have seasons of life. You will have your ups and downs and you will have your ins and outs, but through that, God loves you. The musical Rent, you might not know it, but after a journey of writing and rewriting it and the tragic death of its uh, main creator, it won a Pulitzer Prize and a Tony Award uh, and it became a Broadway musical. Rent finally appeared in the uh, Norlanda Theatre on April the 29th in 1996. It went on a 12-year run and was performed 5,123 times. It closed on September the 7th, 2008, and it reputedly grossed $280 million. Its own epic journey of its ups and downs is the plot line, and the plot line is that actors and actresses struggle to make ends meet through the different seasons of life. And it's very similar to the plot line that we can fall into. We can say God loves us, and we can say that over and over again, but the mere recounting it isn't enough. What we do need to do is see that in the different seasons of life, the reality is that every single person in this room will go through what I call, this is the technical term, stuff. It will be up, it will be down, but whether it's hardship or whether it's a joy, it's vital for us to realize that we don't judge how much God loves us by what we're going through. Actually, we don't judge our lives by circumstances. We simply know that God loves us. Here's what the Bible says. And we know that God causes everything to work together for those, uh, for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You know that's Romans 8, 28. And then further down it says this. 
And I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither our fears, nor today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or even on the earth below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. My first thought is this. God's love is like a granite block in our life. It's immovable. What do you allow to govern your life so that that erodes the reality in your life? We have to begin to say, God, I want to put my thinking under your government, that you love me. The second thing of this message is this, that you will go through seasons of life. And you can't judge what God is like through looking through God to your seasons, but look at your seasons through God. And he will minister to you and you'll begin to sense his love again. Number three, you activate God's love by understanding an old Jewish idea called the concept of the first. In the Jewish way of thinking, they were always uh, concerned about what was first in their lives. They talked about God being first and and only. The Jewish people would often talk about themselves as being the firstborn uh, of all nations. They often had this question, in fact I'll read it to you in a minute, what's the first commandment, Lord? The Sabbath was the first day of the week. It runs through all scripture. Bring your first fruits. But it actually belies and indicates a way of thinking. Jesus introduces himself in Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I'm the one who is and was and always will be and is still to come. I'm the Almighty One. I'm the first and the last. The concept of the first in the Bible is a really important concept. And that's how we can actually learn the basis of stewardship for our money. You see, what you give your first thought to, your first affection to, your first heart to, that is what gets the best of you. And so if you want to activate the love of God in your life, you have to answer this question, who is first? Oh man, I love my little grandchildren. I do. In fact, I think I'm enjoying being a grandparent than being a parent. Is this online? By the way, forgive me my daughters. But my grandchildren can't be first in my life. They can't be first. I think I'd walk through a wall for them. But actually, until you stop negotiating with God who's first in your life, the love of God can't be activated in your life fully. You'll skirt around the edges. It has to become the first commitment. Remember that question. The teacher of the law comes to Jesus and said, teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? You see, that obsession of first was always something the Jews wrestled with. And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all, uh, with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. God has to be loved first because when he's loved first, his love begins to flow in your life. You see, in your life right now, you might think that we're kind of religious fanatics saying that we love God more than our loved ones. But we can't love our loved ones properly until we love God first. Because his love purifies our love for our loved ones. His love helps us to love our grandchildren healthily. His love helps me to love my wife best. His love helps me to love all other people left. You see, because he's the source of love, if you put his love first, all your other loves flow properly and righteously. 
And so we are not being kind of religious fanatics by saying we put God's love first. We actually put God's love first because his purity of his love flows and heals all of our other loves. And then Jesus said the second commandment equally is important. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love other people until you begin to love God. But it's really important that you activate the love of God by sharing it with other people. In fact, Jesus said the entire law hangs on these two thoughts. Love God, love people. The concept of the first is, is more than a command. It's a heart posture. It gets, it, who gets the first of you gets the best of you. Who gets the first of you, your resources, your heart, they have the most influence over you. If you want to let the love of God flow in your life, simply, who's first? Who is first? It's when you've settled that in your heart, then you sense the love of God. It begins to reveal himself to you. Some of you are here tonight and you may be checking out Jesus. Think about your loves. Think about what you love the most. And that may be some children, maybe some family. You know what? I raised two beautiful daughters. Oh, you want to see my daughters? Not only are they stunningly beautiful with blonde hair like mine. <laughs> Intelligence. Poise, decorum, excuse me while I just exaggerate for a while. Oh, sorry girls, if you're watching again, you are all those things. But unless that first love comes into your life, all of that doesn't finish well. Think about the loves in your life. As I say, it could be children. And I went off talking about mine. But here's the thing. As much as I raised those two lovely girls, do you know what they went and did? They went and fall in love with these two guys who they now say they love more than me. What's that about? I poured out my love, my energy, the birthday parties that I did for my girls, they were the best birthday parties. There was wildness and craziness and, and ambulances that, in one or two of them that when they went wrong, and it was all of that. And as much as I poured my love out on those girls, those girls went and fell in love. I'm going to name them Andrew and Sam. Now, I love my sons-in-law, but how can they be loved more than me? Some of you say, oh, I love my car. And you don't mean actual love, love, love. But it's a turn of phrase. I love my car. But actually, here's the point of what I'm trying to say. If God isn't first, all other loves will eventually run out on you. Well, parents with teenagers right now are saying, you got that right, pastor. Because they can be difficult. It's okay to love people deeply. But let's ground our love in the love that never changes. Last thing. Activating God's love. You can't activate God's love unless you let it out. Just saying God loves you and, and not putting into practice doesn't actually help you completely. It's the practice of it counts. First of all, you've got to share it. You have to say what's happened to you and what you know. Silence leaks love. If you don't say about what God has done for you, it leaks out of your life. So this is the thing. 
When, when you go to work tomorrow and people say, what did you do over the weekend? I want you to craft something like, I joined with a forever family and we talked about how much God loves everybody. I wonder if that would make you sound weird at work, but maybe you could say it more tactfully or whatever. But unless you share it, silence leaks it. It's a funny thing about God's love. The more you talk about it, the more you get it. Some things, sometimes the more you talk about it, the less you, know, you, you release it so that you don't have it. But the more you talk about God's love, the more you get it. The more you're quiet about God's love, it leaks out of your life. Share it. It's really important. The second way that we should activate uh, making it practical in our lives is that we should give acts of kindness. Oh, I got myself into so much trouble about this. I went through a phase, in fact, I'm still in that phase, that now and again, I, I try and buy the people's groceries behind me in the store, uh, in the shop. And at uh, one time I was having coffee in Starbucks with my friend, Roy Crown, actually. He's the, he was at that point the, the leader of hope. And uh, we were having coffee and I was doing this thing where, you know, you pay it forward by buying some people's coffee behind you. Well, I, I just said, I wasn't really watching. Honestly, I wasn't watching. And um, I, I was in Starbucks and, and, you know, two people came behind us and I said, hey, Roy, let's buy their coffee behind us. So we said, hey, let's, um, you know, said to the lady, say, here's our coffee and let's buy those two. And we turned around. It was two absolutely gorgeous women behind us. And I think they thought these two old guys were trying to pick them up. So that went wrong. And anyway, we just bought the coffee and we were so embarrassed, we left with our coffees. And these two ladies said, oh, well, some old geezers just bought us coffee. Let's just eat. But one day I was in Lidl's. Um, I, I shop at Lidl's sometimes. I know that you shop in Waitrose, okay? But come down to my level a little bit. I was in Lidl's one time and I just felt like the Lord was challenging me about showing the love of God and there was a lady behind me and, and um, actually she, she was a Muslim lady and uh, I just felt so burdened for her and I, I actually I only wanted a loaf and she had a whole week shopping and she said to me oh you, you go in front of me you've only got a loaf and I said oh thank you that's so kind I just felt so convicted about it that I, I went through and put my loaf through and then I said to the guy, and this lady's groceries too. And so I paid for these, I was so embarrassed. You know, I was kind of thinking, oh man, I hope she doesn't think I'm weird and you know, this is a bit embarrassing. And, but I just really felt like oh, I should just buy her her groceries. And then I bought her all her groceries and then I mean, I say all her groceries. I mean, it was Lidl's after all. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't Waitrose. It would have been a fortune. But anyway, <laughs> I bought all her groceries. And then I just felt like I should say this to her. I said, you've had a hard week. And the Lord really cares about that. I turned to her and said, you've had a hard week. And the Lord really cares about that. I was a little bit embarrassed. And she started to cry right there in the aisle in the checkout and so I said oh, oh praise God and I virtually ran out the shop you see you'll never feel the love of God if you don't act on it if you don't sometimes just be kind if you sometimes just don't let that let that out a little bit and sometimes when we need to activate the love of God. Another way is that we just focus on one aspect of the love of God, maybe on how to love one person. That one of your children, you say, I'm gonna make it so that it's a special week for you. Susanna Wesley used to spend an hour a week with one of her children. She had 11 children. I mean, whew, there's a, there's a challenge. She used to focus on one of them to make that person feel good. I wonder if you could focus on one person. Maybe focus on, like Andrew taught us this, week, this afternoon, how to forgive. What aspect of love do you need to focus on? I wonder if I could ask the worship team just to come back. You see, today, what I've been trying to share with you is this. The love of God has to get moving in your life. 
It will never move in your life or it'll be hard to move it in your life if your thought life is governed by every other thought apart from God loves me. If you allow the governance of your mind to be overtaken by everything that's negative instead of saying, you know what, God, I know that you love me. I see Jesus on the cross. Who would do that for someone? God would. The love of God will be activated in your life when you secondly understand that you don't judge the season that you're going through and judge what God's like through the circumstances. You judge the circumstances through God. And I know it's tough sometimes. But actually, God puts us through seasons so that we can learn more about us and more about him and more about how to minister. He's got a reason for your season. He's got a reason for it. And I'm not just excusing God. I talk to God a lot about what people are going through. And I've learned that he has a reason for what you're going through. You can activate the love of God in your life when you will simply understand that whoever gets the first of you gets the best of you. So who's first? But understand this, when God says, I want to be first in your life, it's not that he's selfish. It's not that he's domineering. It's not that he's just God so he can push people around. He wants to be first in your life because he is so pure, so good, that when he's first, he purifies everything else so that everything else hangs together. All loves eventually run out unless God is first. And then if you want to activate God's love, you've got to share it. Or buy somebody some groceries. Or act on it. You'll make your mistakes with acts of kindness. I do it all the time. I've had people say, no thank you. But you know what? Trying to love is better than not trying at all. Why don't you stand with me just for a moment? But I wonder if tonight you could focus on one person who needs your love. I wonder who it is. I wonder if you could focus on a work colleague. You see, the absolute truth of God's love needs to become your natural thinking. It needs to become your thinking in whatever season you're going through. And I know that that's difficult. As you allow this, you'll be healed. Now listen, listen to me. I'm not going to drop a bomb at the end, but I am going to say something. You're looking at a man, Kathy and I, we have a son in heaven who we lost. So I'm not talking to you from a point of view of everything's gone right in my life. I can't wait to meet my son in heaven. I can't wait to see him. Because I know that he passed away while he was really young. So I'm not saying things to you from a point of view of everything's gone great for me. What I'm saying to you is, God loves you. He can work through anything with you. If you'll allow him, if you'll soften your heart, stand on that granite block of, of absolute certainty that he loves you no matter what, but don't let your heart be granite tonight. Let your heart not be stone. Let him give you a heart of flesh where you can open up your heart and say, God, it's been a tough season for me, but I want you to know I want your love to flow through me. Why don't you raise your hand with me and just open up your heart right now. Don't be tough. Don't be tough in this moment. Be soft. Holy 
Lord, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. 